0: hey good morning and welcome back to the stacks of cash podcast uh this is david duncan i have jay cohen here again once again with me and today is february 25th and the reason for our episode today is to provide an update on what's happening in the market so over the last couple of days, you've noticed that the, the stock market has gone down um, and there's been a lot of volatility and we want to provide some reasons why and, and, and share why we're, we're actually optimistic about this. So, you know, Jay and I kind of think of the market and the economy differently than most people. And, you know, when things are going really, really well, you know, over the last few years, we've had not much volatility, the stock market's just gone only but up. That's when Jay and I get a little bit nervous. And when things get volatile and there's a pullback like we're seeing, that's when we get optimistic. So we just wanted to share our thoughts on what's going on in the economy and the world and share why we're optimistic. So Jay, good morning to you, good sir. Good morning, my man. It's good to be back and and by the way, on
1: the date, February 25th, 2022. Did just I, so we have Did I a- say
0: 2021?
1: You, well, you didn't you didn't oh. you didn't provide the year, okay, so I figured, figured we would at least get that out there because we yeah. may go back and listen to this in a few years. And and I hope knows. so, and I hope we're right. <laughs> you know, it, it is an interesting time. You know, we we start off our day. Just so you guys know, those of you listening, we start off our day usually there's about a twenty to thirty minute session, normally in Dave's office. We sit around and we just sort of talk about what's occurred the last day, last twenty four hours, and and try to put our thoughts together. And it's a it's a really um, Productive use of our time because uh, it, it it helps us to formulate a perspective mm-hmm. and, and and when you're investing for the long term you, you really have to have a perspective of of what's going on in the world uh, from a geopolitical perspective from an economic perspective from a social perspective and so having all those different things going on in your mind helps you to formulate. Uh, beliefs, mm-hmm. beliefs and expectations. And so, uh, we, you know, we were doing that the other day and we're like, you know, it's probably it's probably a good time, probably a good time to get it out there and just sort of help you folks sort of think through and develop your own perspectives. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. So what we're going to do first is we're going to dive into kind of where we started the year mm-hmm. and where we are. And then we're going to get into what we think is driving the decline, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the issues that are out there today, why we're optimistic and then we're going to, you know, a couple tips, ideas for how you can control your own emotions. Because before we jump into the, all the strategies, just mm-hmm. one quick bullet point, there are a lot of forces out there that want to tug your emotions in certain directions. Mm-hmm. We want to give you a couple tips and thoughts for for how you can sort of defend against that.
0: Yeah. And I want to, you know, I want to talk about the the recent developments, but I also want to backtrack to... March of 2020 at the bottom that the stock market saw, um, and what has happened since. And as you're aware, you know, the market has gone up over 100% wow. since March of 2020 with no corrections. And when I say correction, I mean that the market goes down 10% at a given time. That is pretty unprecedented to see that. Huge growth for sure with little volatility. So, in Jay and my mind, when we see that, we get cautious because, again, what's the saying you always like to say? Everything reverts to the what? What is
1: everything it? reverts to the mean? Exactly, the uh, average. That's absolutely true. It all goes back to the average,
0: exactly. And so, when you're seeing returns year after year for 20%, 18%, you know, 28%, that's when it's time Or hey. Something is going to be coming around the corner, and we need to be ready for it. So I know no one likes to see a correction. Um, we were expecting one, and they are quite healthy. It's a, it's a healthy sign of a healthy world economy.
1: Yeah, I mean, sadly, you have to have a situation where the weak hands, the weak owners, the, 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 the people who aren't mentally as tough— Have to get shaken out. That's just unfortunately part of the exercise. And you know, we were we were yesterday morning we came in, and the 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 futures were pointing to a two and a half to three percent decline in the market. The S and P was down close to three. I think the Nasdaq was down close to three. And lo and behold, by the end of the day, the S and P was up over one and a half percent, and the Nasdaq was up over three percent. Yeah, and so. That's telling. It is That's telling. It 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 really is. It really is. We still remain in this correction territory. Mm-hmm. Had a couple clients, Dave, call in yesterday. Wanted to know, hey, should they be putting money to work at the you know, yesterday? Mm-hmm. We we actually you know we're not going to offer up specific investment guidance on this podcast, mm-hmm. but we we are we're, we're going to be a little bit patient here. But we're certainly looking around and saying, you know, this is an opportunity we've been kind of looking for. Right. Uh, we like the volatility, and we think it's a we think it's a, a a really good thing so dave what uh what are
0: what are driving these declines in volatility i mean there's several undercurrents going on right well if you know if anybody out there listened to our last last podcast uh one of the big things that was an area of uncertainty that was causing volatility this year and this started in early January was the prospect of the Federal Reserve here in the United States raising interest rates. And why does that cause uncertainty? Because they, the, the investors in the market don't know what to expect in terms of how many rate hikes are there gonna be. Some people were saying three. Now some people are saying seven, even more. Is it gonna be a quarter of a point? Is it gonna be a half a percent? There's a lot of uncertainty. So these investors are kind of jockeying and figuring out how they're gonna place their bets for the coming year. And so that was causing uncertainty. But yesterday, it came to head over across the sea in Russia in Ukraine, and it's getting a lot of news play. Um, you know, it has big effects on commodity prices, energy prices. Um, but I think yesterday's stock market showed it showed its hand a little bit on what the prospects of this Ukraine russia deal are wouldn't you agree with that
1: yeah i would 100 percent. you know it's kind of it, it, it the the, the russian ukraine situation creates a little bit of an environment for the fed mm-hmm. to not be as aggressive and mm-hmm. their rate increases that's exactly right and that provides upward fuel to the stock market. I feel like that might be one of the reasons why we had this pretty big turnaround yesterday. Do I agree with that in terms of the Fed not being more aggressive in their rate increases? I do not. I I, I think the Fed is way behind. This event with Russia could actually accelerate inflation on the commodity markets.
0: I agree with that. And, and, And if we just pause on yesterday's returns, if we just pause on that, if you think about it, if the markets were down about 3% pre-market and the NASDAQ finished up over 3% and the S&P over 1%, again, NASDAQ, a lot of technology companies, you know, technology does much better when interest rates are lower. So could that be some sort of guidance on what the market is thinking about interest rates? Yeah, 100%. I mean, when we're talking to our clients at the beginning of this year,
1: we were reviewing with it some of our institutional clients. You know, we were saying we were projecting three to four rate increases during the year. Bank of America came out and said they were expecting seven. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan came out and said they were expecting nine, mm-hmm. and there was even a comment from the Atlanta Federal Reserve Chair, Bostic came out and said he thought that the first, and then he retracted it, <laughs> thought the first rate increase was going to be a half a point. So there's all that uncertainty around that. And I think that when you see this conflict out there with Ukraine and, and, and Russia, that, that there's a belief that the Fed's going to be able to maybe be a little bit more relaxed in that regard. And, and you know, yeah, maybe short-term that might be the effect, but longer-term, I mean, we're going to have to get to a more normalized uh, rate environment. It's inevitable. And so that we think that was a big part of the turnaround for yesterday.
0: So if you if you think about the Ukraine Russia thing, um you mentioned that commodity and energy prices will be something that we should be taking a look at coming out of this whole conflict. Um wh- what do you think is going to happen with energy and commodity prices as a result of this conflict over there?
1: Well I, I, I so in the short term, I think commodity prices are definitely going to be higher. Um, I would agree. You have, you have. There, there's an impact on energy for sure. I mean, Russia is a huge supplier of energy to the to the world economy. Yes. If there's some elements of sh- sanctions or you know curbing of demand on their end, that's gonna that's gonna increase the price of, of energy. Uh, you also have on, for example, like on the steel side of things, Ukraine and Russia are really big importers into the united states they're exporters to the globe of 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 scrap metal and Mm -hmm. what they call pig iron and and again if they're kind of hands are tied then those prices go up so you've got two two pretty big commodities right there and so uh and then if you've got the fed who is going to be a little bit more uh dovish in terms of their rate increases uh, you you have a you have a potential tender box that could really to, c- could get out of control. So you are seeing commodities and commodity oriented companies, energy companies. In fact, Dave, I think you were looking at the returns in the S and P five
0: hundred. Mm-hmm. The I mean, yeah, I mean, I just had them pulled up. But of all the eleven sectors in the S and P five hundred as of this morning, only one is positive on the year, and that is energy, and energy is up over twenty percent. The S and P is down ten percent where we where we stand right now. Wow. So that just shows you the discrepancy with the, the sectors. Yeah, and and if you think about Russia, I mean, every country has natural resources, but Russia in particular, I mean, they're like the number one fertilizer exporter. Oil and gas is huge. I mean, natural resources are a a staple or a backbone of their economy, and so that's really going to affect those prices.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So so. That, that's just a little bit about what's kind of going on in terms of uh, the Russia situation, interest rates, kind of why we saw the market bounce back. I mean, David and I are not geopolitical experts at all. Uh, we, we generally believe that uh, while, while it's it's very unfortunate that this is going on from a global perspective, that the the, the, the world will not permit... A country like Russia or China or any other country to run roughshod over over all other sovereign nations,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we do. We do, however, believe, and, and why we're optimistic is um, we think there is a shifting of this globalization push that really began in the late seventies and ran all the way through the early two thousands, and that there a pivot started in the mid you know 2015 2016 era mm-hmm. where globalization kind of might have peaked and sovereignty appears to be gaining a little bit of momentum and and what we mean there is is that local dependency and we're starting to see some shifts there. And what that makes us extraordinarily optimistic, particularly for the United States. Do you want to elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean,
0: Dave? if you if you think about it, COVID really um, showing a light on the um, supply chain. I mean, we we one of the best things we have in our job is we were able to talk to many local business owners and to see what's going on in their business. And it is unanimous across industries and across businesses that Supply chain and finding people is the hardest thing to do right now. 100%. Supply chain is the hardest thing to do. Universal. And, and, and that's because the supply chain has gone across many countries. And when you have all these restrictions with COVID, it's made it very difficult to get products on time. And so, to your point, Jay, I think that that's shown a light on the supply issue or supply chain issue. And it's going to start coming back more in-house. I mean, look what's going on in my in the great state of Ohio up there with Intel. What's Intel have going on up there now?
1: Yeah, well, they just announced a couple of weeks ago that they're allocating twenty billion dollars to, to 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 construct a plant to build semiconductors. And you're like, well, I mean, aren't they Silicon Valley? I mean they they've historically been like in California and New Mexico and places like that out in the West. And they're gonna build a plant in Ohio. And the reason for that is is that there's a, a, a very significant shortage of chips that are utilized in vehicles. I, I don't Isn't know. Is that the that-
0: precious metals? Is that is that what the precious metals are, are those in the chips or, or because I know that precious metals are in like everyone's cell phone.
1: Well yeah, there's
0: there's and there's was a bunch of well, mines
1: there. Yeah, there's rare earth materials. Yes, R- rare earth is. minerals is yeah, what it that's is. That's what it is. And 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 we have rare earth minerals here in the United States, but what happened was China dumped so much rare earth minerals onto the open market, the global market, that it caused the price to go down below the cost of mining in the United States. So what happened? Those mining companies decided not to mine here anymore. Exactly. And so then we become dependent upon countries that really aren't aligned with us in terms of just the way they govern and the way they treat people and just in general. And so uh, that creates a problem. But it, it, what, what, what really happened was you have this shortage of chips. Mm-hmm. Well, Look if car companies <laughs> are using more chips in their cars than they ever have before, the production of vehicles in the United States was at a 13 million run rate last year. Normally, we're at a 16 to 18 million run rate. Wow. So, the economic impact of that one item Mm -hmm. being crunched through the supply chain because we rely upon the manufacture of those things overseas, particularly in Asia, is a tremendous disadvantage for the United States.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we're saying that, you know, overnight that's just going to go away, everything's going to be onshore. But I think. It's opened some people's eyes to, hey, we need to have some sort of operation here that's viable in our home country. Um, I mean, you could say it's a, a, a mode of uh, national security, but, you know, it's, it's to iron out these supply chain issues um, because, you know, another virus could happen again or, or, you know, geopolitical things like we're seeing in Russia – um, you never know, so it's good to have that in-house.
1: Well, I'll give one quick example before we kind of start to move towards wrapping up here. Um, in the United States, really the industry that really gave rise, when you think of the Industrial Revolution, you really think about steel. I mm-hmm. mean, steel really is what really kind of really amped things up. And, and again, China was dumping cheap steel via – they were shipping it through other countries – Dumping it in the United States, and effectively what it was doing is pushing these steel companies out of business. So so we follow steel pretty closely. There's a company out of Cleveland called Cleveland Cliffs, and they basically consolidated a couple weaker players. They were a mining company, brought them all together, and now they're a fully integrated steel company. And they supply seventy percent of the flat rolled steel to the automotive industry. Mm-hmm. So there's a real tie in there. Well, what's interesting about what they did is they 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 saved a lot of jobs. They have twenty one thousand hourly employees, and 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 their average wage. I don't know what group of the twenty one thousand, but I believe I've heard the CEO say, the average is about a hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh wow! Really, really, really solid middle class jobs. So. The broad brush stroke on that is the reason why David and I are optimistic is, is that it took 40 years to dismantle the productive manufacturing powerhouse of the United States. When they dismantled it and shipped it all around the world, whether it was to Mexico or, or Vietnam or to China or to Japan or mm-hmm. wherever it was, it took four decades. And so we feel like that pendulum, it, it peaked and it's just now starting to swing back. And we feel like this is going to be a multi-decade renaissance in the United States for what we call onshoring or re-onshoring of the manufacturing base and a lot of the things. So is it going to happen overnight? No, no of course not. No, but... but e- Everything goes in waves. Everything goes in waves. It, but it starts with a tipping point. Right. And so uh, I, I think the COVID virus the moving the trying to get more free fair trade not free trade but fair mm-hmm. trade and the covid virus sort of were the uh the igniters mm-hmm. of this of this tinderbox and so that's where we are. So in large part from a macro level, we're, we're, we're excited about that. The volatility, as you said, David, is mm-hmm. a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like that. We like the fact that Build Back Better is not going to go anywhere, which really means no new tax increases for individuals and/or and or businesses.
0: And the reason for that is, you know, you look at the inflation rate, and we're, we're going to close it up here in a second, but the inflation rate's been running at about 7.5% um, in January from last January. And, uh, you know, if you put more money into the economy, it's just going to, it's our belief that that's just going to increase the inflationary environment that we're currently in. And so uh, the timing on that is not optimal. So when when that is dying down now, um, we think that's a good thing for the Federal Reserve, um, that they don't have to calculate that into their rate hikes, and that's just kind of off the table. Yeah, and One I mean less factor.
1: And, and and if you if you if you really want to get longer term in your thinking, imagine this, Dave. Um, what if we what if we altered the education system just a little bit? You know, it's becoming a lot more frequently stated by people that college isn't for everybody, mm-hmm. and that the trades and things like that need to get a little bit more love. Right. And, and so, what what happens if we're able to jigger the uh, education system a little bit, put the trades more on a pedestal than what they have been? Uh, get more people to work because there's this re-onshoring. Reduce the the dependency on the federal government, which would hopefully lead to less taxes. So maybe if less money is going to D.C. and more money is going to enable people to do these jobs that we're talking about, right? perhaps that could be a really good situation for everybody. Right. And, and could help to, to address some of the supply chain and labor woes and stuff like that. So anyway, as we wrap up here, uh, we're right at about 21 minutes. Any tips you want to throw out there, Dave, for how to control
0: emotions? Uh, turn off the news. That's what I would say. <laughs> I think yeah. I say that every podcast, yeah, yeah. by the way.
1: Block out the noise, right? Block, yeah, block out, the, out noise. the noise.
0: They're selling fear. Um, just know that this is a normal thing. I'll give you one stat, and I'll shut up. Since 1980, there's been 30 corrections in the market. It's very normal, it's very healthy, and it was expected. That's awesome, Dave. Listen, uh,
1: thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Good to be with everybody. Have a great weekend, and please uh, let your friends and family and your coworkers know about Stacks of Cash. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us.